Hey, it's great to see you today. Thank you for joining us through our Journey Through Scripture, our Thursday edition. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas, and uh, we are going to finish out the book of Numbers today. So we are going to be going from Numbers 26 through 36. So if you haven't uh, read that, if you want to take a moment, well, you're going to take a few moments um, and uh, read through and we will get going. All right. So thank you so much for joining us, and, and we are finishing up Numbers. Numbers has been a, is an interesting book because it has laws, it has narrative, it has you know, some repetitive things that, that we see, and uh, in these last 10 chapters, there's definitely going to be some repetitiveness to it. Um, but now we are at the end of the 40 years. So the 40 years of wandering is coming to a close. Uh, numbers started off with the first census, uh, Numbers 26 has the second census. Um, and so these are all the, the children, if you will, all of the, uh, that initial generation uh, has now died off. Um, remember, we, whenever we talked about Joshua and Caleb and the 12 spies going out and 10 of them said, we can't go in. And so the punishment was that that generation would not be allowed to come in. Um, and, but Joshua and Caleb would be. Um, and, and so we, we see this now coming, the 40 years coming to a, to a close. Um, the second census is there in chapter 26. Um, chapter 27, uh, repeats and, and kind of, uh, elaborates on some inheritance laws. I do want to just draw your attention to something in, uh, chapter 27, verse 6. Um, I, there was a, a case that there were only daughters and it was about the inheritance. And uh, the, the Lord told Moses, says, The daughters of Zelophehad uh, speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of their inheritance among their father's brothers uh, and cause their uh, inheritance of their father to pass to them. That, again, we struggle sometimes with these cultural things when it comes to how way uh, women were dealt with and viewed, uh, but the Bible was actually very progressive. It was uh, very much wanted to make sure that the people understood that man and woman were created in the image of God, that they were equal in the eyes of God. Um, culturally, they were not equal, um, and and there was there's this balancing act going on, uh, but it is obvious that God God views, views them as, as equal. Uh, there in uh, the end of chapter 27, um, we have Joshua is going to be proclaimed as the next leader. So um, in verse 15, it says, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Um, you know, that it was important to have a good leader and to have that uh, leader in place. And so that person is going to be Joshua. And, and of course, we're going to start seeing his name mentioned. Um, and, and it's going to just build to the, to the point where he is the one who leads the people uh, into the promised land. Uh, 28. Uh, starts going over different offerings. We've, we've gone through this uh, before in Leviticus. There were daily offerings. There were Sabbath offerings, monthly offerings, offerings at Passover, offerings of the Feast of Weeks, 
offering of the Feast of Trumpets, offerings on the Day of Atonement, offerings at the Feast of Tabernacles, right? So all of the different feasts that we've uh, talked about before, um, now these are the, the offerings um, um, on, those, on those days and how that was to be done. Uh, again, this is not, this was for the, the people of Israel to remind them of all that God had done for them. Um, but what is, to me, what is so important about this is, is the intentionality um, of remembering and engaging with God. Um, you know, doing uh, religious acts, if you will, to engage in God, to remind yourself of what God has done. Um, and I, I just encourage all of us in our uh, faith life to look for ways that we are constantly remembering who God is, what He has called us to, that we are remembering what He has done for us in the past, that we are uh, re- taking time to, to remember our sin, to confess our sin, uh, to rejuvenate our relationship with God on a regular basis. Um, a, a relationship with God is not just a one-time uh, acknowledgement that you believe in Him. It is a lifetime, and it needs to be a living thing. And, and that's kind of what is, is being uh, presented here, is how the offerings and these festivals all would remind the people about their relationship with God and how it was continually growing and they would be continually maturing uh, in their faith. It continues on, uh, chapter 30, um, talks about vows. We've talked about vows before in, in Leviticus. Again, we, we see that quite a bit here in uh, Numbers. Um, I, I do want to, to settle on uh, chapter 31 for uh, just a, a few minutes. If you remember from Tuesday, um, we talked about Balaam and the donkey and the conversation there, which is really just kind of a very interesting part of the story. Uh, but the one that the but the thing that makes the impact is that Balaam prophesies for Israel, um, right? And then we went right into the Moabite women and some Midianite women coming in and uh, tempting uh, the people of Israel. And many of the men uh, began having relationships with them and they started worshiping Baal and it was a uh, horrific scene. Uh, well, in verse 30 or chapter 31 says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, it's time to take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Uh, uh, so God is now um, calling the people of Israel to gather a force and go after the, the Midianites. Um, and they do. They only get take a thousand people from each tribe. Um, and so they, they go and they kill all the males um, and, the, and the kings of, of Midian. Um, and it, it, it names them there in verse 8, uh, Evi, Rakim, uh, the five kings of Midian. And then it throws in there, Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. Right, so now Balaam, uh, who just recently we had seen him talking to a donkey and prophesying um, in favor of Israel, uh, has now been killed by the people of Israel. Uh, and you wonder, well, what's, what's going on there? We talked a little bit about how Balaam, he, he wasn't a, a great guy. He was a prophet for hire. Uh, he was not uh, a true believer in the one true God. Um, but we learn more about the story. In verse 15, 
Uh, they, they come back, and Moses says to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord and in, in the incident of Peor. So what we now find out is that while Balaam did not prophesy against Israel, right? so outward it, outwardly it kind of looked like he supported Israel, we know now that he plotted with the, the king of, of Midian and Moab uh, to intentionally send these women in to derail the people, right? To bring them, to try to pull them away from God. And it worked, <laughs> um, unfortunately. And I thought that's really interesting and, and something that we need to always be aware of is there may be people who say wonderful things about about God, about what you may agree with about God, um, but that doesn't always mean they are for God. Just because you say the right things uh, doesn't mean that uh, everyone that you hear is actually for God. Um, and we, we do need to understand that there are people who will try to undermine the ways of God, um, and even though they will say the right things, um, but Maybe they're trying to, to bring in some division. Maybe they're trying to bring in some sinfulness. Um, I think this, this clearly happens in, uh, in churches, but in just uh, in general, uh, Christianity. Um, you know, there have been major changes in, in many beliefs, uh, that, that many Christians have. Uh, and, and in many ways we have, uh, become accepting of sinful actions that would never have been accepted years and years ago, right? And, and sometimes that happens slowly, and, and we need to be on guard against that and on guard against those uh, who, who may be trying to slip in uh, some <laughs> heretical teachings or, or ideas that actually lead us to start worshiping a, a, a Baal, as the people got uh, kind of snowed into worshiping Baal um, here with Balaam and the Midianites and the Moabites. Um, but that, that to me was really interesting. I, I guess, honestly, I, well, I for sure didn't learn any about this in Sunday school class. Um, I didn't, I, I was not aware that the people of Israel actually killed Balaam and that he was kind of one of the instigators uh, of the, the instant uh, the worshiping of Baal at Peor. So we see this war, and of course, there's some very uncomfortable stuff for us in there um, that they that they kill a lot of people. Um, it's important to to know that there are, there is some cultural aspect to that. That's that was very common. If you went to war, you, you didn't spare everybody. <laughs> that many times, uh, you would wipe out as many of the people as possible. Um, you know, so, so that would have been expected. Uh, um, doesn't make it right. It just means that's the way things, uh, functioned back then. And, uh, and it is, it's, it's hard to, to read some of those things. Uh, as you keep going on, um, we see in chapter 32, uh, kind of the tribe of uh, Reuben and Gad decide that, hey, we want to make our homes here on the east side of the Jordan River, not on the west side. And there's a little bit of tension here um, because it, it it angers God, um, but uh, but then the 
uh, tribe of Gad and Reuben say, no, we will still go and help fight and take the promised land, but this is the area that we want to, to settle in. And so that, that was uh, seen as, as appropriate and fine. And so you, you're going to have those two tribes that are going to be on the eastern side uh, of Israel. Uh, chapter 33 uh, is, a, is reviewing Israel's journey from Egypt. Um, this, this, there's kind of a, a, an, an inherent idea here throughout Scripture of the importance of remembering, remembering what God has done, uh, remembering uh, the, the things, the ways that God has, has been with the people, how he has rescued them. Uh, it is vital for them to always hold on to that and to remember that. Um, we get to the end of chapter 33, and, uh, and this, this is definitely some foreshadowing uh, here. It says in verse uh, 55, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Um, and this this definitely proves to be true because the people do not uh, eliminate the influence of foreign gods. Uh, they do not uh, eliminate that influence, and it comes back uh, to weaken them and ultimately uh, leads to their uh, uh, capture and taken into exile. Um, verse, chapter 34, uh, we start to see uh, the division of the land. Um, the different cities and how they're going to be uh, set up. But there's going to be, I thought this was interesting, six cities of refuge. And what a, what a city of refuge was, was that a manslayer may go there uh, and they, they could be safe. Now, that is not a murderer. This is, and it kind of fleshes that out. This is someone who accidentally took the life of someone but they did take the life of someone, and now they are being pursued uh, as vengeance from that person's family. That person's family is wanting to, to take them out because they killed their loved one, right? And, uh, and so there's these cities of refuge where you could go uh, and you could find justice. Uh, nothing uh, was supposed to happen to you uh, there. I thought that was uh, very interesting. Again, it, it, is, it is a distinction between uh, murder and the accidental taking of someone's life. Um, it, it does, uh, in verse 30, kind of uh, emphasizes again um, the seriousness of the taking of, of life. It says, whoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death uh, on the testimony of witnesses. Right? So it's, it's very clear that of, of the seriousness of murder. It says, but one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. So even Scripture understands the danger and the, uh, how seriously you have to take uh, the death penalty. One, one witness is not sufficient. You have to have at least two witnesses to the murder, which would mean there would be a lot of murders who there, there would not have been enough witnesses to convict. Um, right, so so this is this is very interesting. It's 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 different than the culture around. Many times that there wasn't these types of protections uh, given, uh, but you you can start to see the basis of of our legal system. 
uh, right? And, and we know that all legal systems are flawed because human beings are the ones uh, um, fleshing them out and, uh, and acting on them. Uh, but we see kind of the basis for our legal system here. Uh, chapter 36, uh, it, it's uh, talking about heirs and, and, uh, and marriage and things like that. And it ends with verse 13. It says, These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab uh, by the Jordan across from Jericho. So now we have in, ended basically the 40 years of wandering. Uh, we're going to start in Deuteronomy um, on next Tuesday. So go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 4. Um, Deuteronomy is the prelude, if you will, um, to the people taking uh, the, uh, the promised land and crossing over uh, the Jordan. All right, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And our next episode will be next Tuesday. And we'll be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 1 through 4. All right, we'll see you then.